1: Hello listeners, here
0: we are again for another wonderful episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello Lisa.
1: Hello Nat. How are we?
0: We are great because uh, we are having a wonderful time with um, all of our wonderful interviewees for our podcast and today I'm sure is going to be a wealth of knowledge and inspiration. Once again, we have Karen Stein and Karen Stein is an experienced executive coach and Deloitte University faculty member whose business experience stems from close to 30 years in the professional services industry. 23 of these as partner at Deloitte. Karen currently provides leadership coaching to evolving senior leaders, supporting them with achieving their professional goals. Her interest in coaching from a positive psychology perspective was furthered through her completion of a Master of Science in Coaching Psychology, graduating from the University of Sydney. Karen's passion aligns with coaching female business leaders towards sustainable long-term careers in business roles, which match their purpose and values. And excitedly, Karen has recently become a published author, releasing her very first book, Be Your Own Leadership Coach, and we're excited to have you join us, Karen, to in particular deep dive into some of the the key themes from your book that our listeners no doubt will resonate with. Thanks for joining. Oh thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. We'd love to know and just to kick off our conversation could you start by telling us a little bit about your background and what led you to write Be Your Own Leadership Coach? Oh with pleasure. Uh so, so my
2: background, um, I, I started off in a field which is very different to what I'm in today. So I actually started, um, the greater part of my career was in the field of taxation of all things. Um, I was assisting companies with uh, seeking funding for research and development in Australia. So very purposeful work to try and assist people to build out new products and processes to the benefit of the Australian economy. But as my career continued, uh, I, I started to think about what had been a passion of mine, and I'd, I've always wanted to help people. Uh, I was fortunate to be offered a coach on an executive program and fell in love with the process of coaching it it opened my mind to to what's possible when having that type of support and so I went and studied I studied part-time and and took up that master's program that you described and whilst I was doing it I was thinking about how could I start to think about part two of my life so my chapter two when I was getting closer to 50 and determined to live to 100 what would chapter two look like? And I felt the world of tax was probably losing its shine somewhat and wasn't going to sustain me. So I thought about a career in coaching. And I I was able to design and develop a a program, which I had as a pivot in my second career at Deloitte. So I actually was able to hang up my tax boots and and deregister as a tax agent, so never to do that again, um, and take up a role uh, where I was coaching women partners of Deloitte Australia to be their best selves and to have long-term sustainable careers at Deloitte. So I, I, I did this pivot back in 2016. And... As I was sitting in the room with with women that I was coaching, I was also doing some some coaching with others externally. I was assisting clients of Dress for Success, coaching them to come back into the workforce and clients of the Van Buddha Group, a social enterprise who looks at the construct of kindness. It occurred to me that the work I was doing was sitting one-on-one with people in a room or, as I say, sitting one-on-one with people on Zoom, and it was a very privileged opportunity to have, to get to know and support these people towards their hopes, their goals and their dreams. But what did occur to me was there were so many more people who perhaps weren't able to access such support, Um, perhaps logistically or financially, they just couldn't have a coach with them on tap. And even those who had coaching, they didn't have someone sitting next to them side by side with every challenge. And I felt that I'd like to change or increase the equity of access to coaching support by writing such a book. So through my book, my intention is to increase access to coaching strategies so that people could self-coach. So in the absence of having that coach next to them in the room or on Zoom, you'd actually be able to look at the the next coach that you have, the one who's always with you, and that would be you. And by having a virtual backpack that you could strap on each day when you start your day full of these coaching strategies that come from my book, as well as others that you'll fill in as well, you'd be much more resourceful and able to actually support yourself to be your best self, which will increase your well-being. And that'll ripple to the people around you, to your family and friends and teammates and your organisations. And I think it actually would ripple out to communities and make our world a better place. So the the big inspiration is to hopefully have a ripple effect where everybody, through activating the book and and building their strategies, can try and make this world a better place.
1: Well, I do love a ripple effect um, and I love that explanation of how the book came to being and And the idea of sharing it beyond the privilege is is something that's really very beautiful. In your book that I I just started reading, um, you've got 12 chapters with a different practice per chapter. And practice 12 speaks about leading with kindness. And how can this principle support women leaders going through menopause, particularly when it comes to self-kindness and understanding towards their changing needs? I think that's
2: a great question, and and it's also a question which reflects a passion project that I'm involved in. I'm also, I have a role as the the co-leader of managing menopause in the workplace at Deloitte. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how we can actually support women through uh, perimenopause and menopause. And kindness is a construct which absolutely can be in support. So kindness tends to draw out optimistic responses to what we do, and it really sets you up um, to model a belief system in support of yourself. So when you're being kind to yourself, you can first of all stop and, and realise how worthy you are, that it's not that um, when things aren't working out for you that things shouldn't be as they should be. It's actually you're quite worthy of being where you are and where you're heading to. And you can use this belief system to try and identify and support the needs that you have at this current time to allow you to continue to thrive in what you're doing. So if we apply the concept of kindness and self-compassion we can recognise that as we move through perimenopause and through menopause, some of us will be enduring some symptoms which are unkind, you know, in the way that they catch us by surprise or, or, or perhaps um, they, they change the way we feel both physically, emotionally and mentally. And by adopting kindness, we can allow for some flexibility in our changing state. We can actually you know, take steps in support of ourselves and be kind to us as we would to others. And that those steps might be medically related. It might be in the work environment, having conversations with others or, or perhaps looking at what's available to you in your workplace in support, whether it's flexible work practices or having conversations with perhaps an employee assistant program where you can find a counsellor or a coach or otherwise. There might just be different ways of working with the hours you're working and so on. So actually tapping into what's available to you and being kind to yourself and recognising that adaptability and flexibility is in support of you is where kindness can come to play. But it's really it's really thinking of yourself and treating yourself as you would a kind friend or to a colleague. And we tend to do that last with ourselves. It's often we're the hardest on ourselves as opposed to the kindness to to, kindness to everybody
1: as you were talking through that, I'm wondering how many women are easily convinced to to do that, to take that self-care element, or do you find that there's a real, um, there's some effort required on your part, perhaps with the women that you work with, around them actually embracing that self-care and kindness to themselves? I think once the people build their self-awareness of what they have, that capacity to
2: act Sometimes it's just that nudge to to remind them of that. Mm. Then people tend to lean into it and then build up strategies. So even through my book, the self-coaching strategies can be very applicable to you as you're going through perimenopause because you're you're actually first thinking about how do I lead myself? How do you lead you? And if you can first focus on you, then you're much more able to be your best self or your better self if things aren't feeling great Um, and then start to think about how you can be your best self as you lead others. So it's just sometimes that gentle nudge and that's why I think you know, if we draw our attention to how we can be in support of each other, the collective, then we can have lots of small nudges to remind each other as to what is our capacity to act and how can we be best in support of ourselves.
1: Love that.
0: Yeah, so good. And you know, I think all of us um, here are, are coaches and, and we naturally appreciate the value that comes from coaching and the opportunity. And it really is... Um, you know for me coming into coaching i just love that you're actually putting the ownership into other people so you know we get to be there as a guide and as a support and that accountability partner but it's ultimately their choice it's it's their roadmap and and it's what it is what it looks like for them which is great and i think you know as you've mapped out in your book i've i've read your book through and and it's fantastic and you know the fact that you've got that leading with kindness you know because it, it can become something again that we sort of get into that doing mode and And we might lose sight of, um, you know, our why or that motivation or, you know, especially that that kindness. And we can then, you know, if things don't work out, you know, we've seen it with clients if they haven't quite done what they said they were going to do, there's that level of self-criticism that comes through. So, you know, when people can lead with kindness for themselves, it really does just radiate from within and help them to really live life on their terms and and have the health and, and the well-being that they desire as well.
2: You come probably- into those stories, Nat. It's, if that narrative is bubbling away, it might be unkind to allow yourself to just hear that negative narrative as opposed to trying to bolster yourself with something more positive. And so you can actually think about, well, what is a mantra perhaps that I could utilize in support of myself? You know, it could even be as simple as you've got this. Mm-hmm. And um, or you're worthy, or you're adding value, mm-hmm. and so so just trying to change that narrative in kindness to yourself, rather than building up a story which may not be true. You know, sometimes these stories are quite dramatic and have a lot of assumptions, and and you haven't tested out the the language of the story to hear whether in fact what you're trying to convince yourself even makes sense. Uh, but actually, stopping and noticing, and then making a choice in support of yourself as to well, what is my truth, and how can I support myself through whatever I'm going through and get support from whoever I need it from, if I can't support myself, I think that's a a great act of kindness.
0: Mm. Oh, absolutely. And it's about coming back to that present moment, isn't it? And as you said, it's You know, I I feel that there's no greater skill than building our self-awareness and and recognizing the thoughts that are at play, even if they're not our thoughts, recognizing whose thoughts they are, where that belief pattern comes from, as well as then also where it shows up in the body, where you feel it, because it's those thoughts and those feelings that create the actions that we take or the actions that we we do not take. Um, Over my time, I've done a bit of um, teaching yoga with kids, actually, and I used to teach them a power pose. So, you know, we used to get into different poses and I'd have them pick what their power pose was and then I'd be like, okay, now finish the sentence, I am, you know, and they'd all say, well, I am brave with their arms up or I am strong and, you yeah. know, it's it's such um, an opportunity for us adults as well to, to have that come into our power and that that power pose. Um, now, you have probably seen through your work at Deloitte um, and also with us as well and I'm sure um, through the many conversations we've had on our podcast that we know that women experience a range of emotions emotions um, and changes and challenges that can affect their self-perception and confidence during perimenopause. How can self-coaching strategies in your book help them maintain or even boost their self-esteem during this period?
2: I think it's exactly that. If we tap into what self-coaching is, then we um, can have a better understanding of how it can boost self-esteem. And so self-coaching requires you to take a number of active steps. The first you've mentioned is building out that self-awareness, but by doing so through self-reflection. So actually the first thing is finding time because our self-esteem can fall apart if we're not making time for ourselves to start to look after ourselves. So if I actually make some time, it can be small nuggets of time to allow myself to stop and reflect, self-reflect, stand outside of myself and look back as an objective third party and see what I can see in me. That self-reflection is going to build up my self-awareness. And from that self-awareness, I can then move to the second step, which would be then I can do a self-assessment. What is helping me and what is hindering me? What are the patterns that I'm noticing of my behaviours, my emotions and cognitions, and how are they supporting me to lift me up or how are they actually pulling me back? And our self-esteem, again, can very much come back to what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, how I'm acting, um, the environment I'm putting myself in. So what are the choices I think I can make through that self-assessment to better position myself, to feel more confident, to feel more attuned with who I want to be and to have the experience that I'd like to have? And from that, then I can step into some experimentation and learning. So here it's about mindset. How can I have a mindset that's open and curious to learning and and understanding what what else is possible? It's that openness of mind, the positive mindset that I'm looking for. So I can experiment with maybe some changes in behaviours or maybe I could think about how I could... Um, take on some some different states of energy by doing different things to bolster myself emotionally and again it could be from within or from externally getting support for that and then it's of course practice if we don't practice new habits won't form so if I want to maintain my self-esteem and be able to hold myself for the long term I need to build some practices that are going to be things that I can keep coming back to keep making time for and I, I encourage people, that time thing always gets in the way when I ask people what stops you from self-coaching or building your self-awareness, and everybody talks about how busy they are. And so if people can just find time, and, and I ask them to look for if it's as, as small as 1% of your waking hours. We, we have 112 hours that we're typically awake for a week. If we just take one hour of that, that's 1% of our awake hours, and we devote that to yourself, for self-reflection, self-awareness, self-assessment, and planning of some actions, we're much more likely to find that we're much more positively minded to what's what we want to do. We have a much deeper understanding of what's helping us, what's in support of us, which of my strengths are empowering me and, and which perhaps I could draw upon that have helped me in the past that I haven't thought to, and which parts of me are showing up. And, and all of these things can help just build the clearness um, of sight and mind to be able to feel that you can step forward, even when, when you're faced with challenging times, which, perimenopause can bring for many women
1: that feeds so beautifully into my next question around the positive of menopause what you just explained is a real positive to you know um we, we love to paint a, a really positive picture for women It's seen at it, menopause has seen such a, a such a negative time in our lives when i really uh, you know natalie and i both really think that the education is key in and, and using strategies in in which to launch into this time of our lives as a positive um element are there other practices in the book that you could um, maybe pull out, um, Karen, that support a transformation in, in this time of life and, and leverage it in a, in a leadership role? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, there's there's many practices within there. Whether it's actually
2: identifying what motivates you and how you change your mindset towards motivation, or or, or simply even just with that self awareness, allowing yourself to be more empowered. Mm. Because the more that you can lead as you and tap into, you know, what are your values, what, what is your purpose, what are your your strengths, and and how you want to set goals in using those and, and motivate yourself accordingly. Being more empowered allows you to experience more of yourself it allows you to do what I call be a leader as opposed to do leadership stuff. Mm. And so if we can actually feel it and experience more of our day-to-day in terms of of how authentic we feel to what we're doing, um, how we're actually recognising what's energising us, so looking at that energy management, um, that can actually help us in terms of feeling more empowered and connected with what we're doing. So one chapter looks at um, managing your energy and within that you can actually look at the, the four different states that relate to how you manage yourself, Um, the physical the emotional the cognitive and the spiritual and there's different self-reflective exercises within that for each one to try and draw your attention to well what can be in support of our energy so we don't find it depletes to a point where you know we're really waiting for the weekend to come so we can kind of pull ourselves together again to put it on repeat for next week how can we build rituals in our world in our lives that support us day to day and how can we with that self-awareness recognize what's in support of us and what's not so Through perimenopause, uh, energy levels, as we know, will change considerably. Um, A lot of people... faced with lack of sleep and fatigue there there could be um the 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 different physical issues that are happening from the different hormones that are flowing or not flowing within the body and so we're having different rates of temperature depleting our energy or um you know different mood swings in the life all of this has an impact on on how we feel how we act how we behave and just stopping to notice more and reflect on that and and really be able to be more informed as to what's happening gives you more power to make better choices so if we're just dismissive of it and say, oh, it must be it must be work. I'm really busy. That's why I'm feeling this way. I'll just move through. I'll just push through. The pushing through is very challenging. The pushing through is letting you survive, but it's not helping you to thrive. And if you really want to thrive, it's been coming back to that leading as you, leading, starting with yourself, focusing on understanding yourself first, and then you can think about, well, how can I thrive and support others? So I think it's changing the mindset,
1: coming back to the kindness and starting with you. Do you know, I think our listeners will need to go back and listen to this podcast twice because you've got so many nuggets coming through that they can really choose to adopt, you know, have a little plan that they can adopt um, moving forward. So thank you. Mm.
0: And I was going to say, you know, when you spoke about, you know, just waiting for the weekend to come, Mm. I remember I did that when I, I always come back to, you know, when I, after I had my daughter and was back at work and the only thing that filled me up was when I was at home, you know, on the weekends, not having to go into work because of the stress and the overwhelm associated. And then there just became a time where I thought, I don't want this anymore. I do mm. not want to wish away my Monday to Friday so I can get to a weekend and then just feel exhausted anyway. Um, and that was that was one of the real sort of pivotal mo- moments for me where I thought, no, you know what? I want every single day to matter. Mm. And I, you know, the whole concept around filling your day with rituals and practices that make you feel good. And not not waiting for that holiday or not waiting for that weekend, because it's probably very likely once you get to that weekend or you get to that holiday, that's when when you suddenly slow down, that's when you become so tired and so drained and even possibly uh, become unwell when you're on holidays, because you're always just in that constant state of doing. So for me, it was very much that that was a foundation in setting up rituals for my day so that I'm I'm feeling good no matter what day of the week it is. And my holidays just continue on from that, you know. It's um, yeah, really great insights. Um, if there's yeah, one thing there too I- often,
2: when when people tell you, "Oh, I had a break and then I got sick on yes. my break," yeah, and and I hear that a lot actually, um, across all domains that I coach in, and uh, and I think we can we can try and challenge ourselves to say, how can we support ourselves so we don't get to that, and we're not using annual leave as as it becomes sick leave as soon as we've stepped into it. Um, so, yeah, I think the more that we can build up these, these and they don't have to be large, long, timely rituals. Small slivers of time can be really, really effective and really, really helpful. And just actually building up a repertoire of things that will be in support of you, whether it's, you know, having water nearby to hydrate you, taking a stretch, having some nourishing food in the house so you're not going straight for the junk food that's in the cupboard, um, using some exercises of the mind. So what are you doing to actually clear some thoughts and make space for the next meeting or interaction you're moving into. There's a whole range of things and and these are reflected in that chapter. So there'll be a range of different exercises that you can try for self-reflection purposes and choose what works for you. And and as I said, if if we're asking people to take on a a virtual backpack and fill it up with self-coaching strategies as they go, some of these you'll throw in and then you'll find others along your journey that you'll also add to it. So you'll have more and more that work for you um, and are in support of you.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Amazing. And I often say a little goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how long it's for. It's just it's just carving out some time across your day for yourself. So beautifully said and shared. Um, this podcast is all about power and helping women to find and nurture and use their personal power, particularly as they transition through life stages and, and this one being perimenopause and beyond. We'd love to know, Karen, how have you come into your power um, over your lifetime?
2: I suggest it, it, it's, I've come into it through purpose. So as I mentioned earlier, I had that career transition. Um, I struggled for a while to understand what my purpose was. And people used to say, oh, I love what I do. It's so, I'm so purposeful, so passionate. And I just kept trying to think, am I, am I? Why aren't I? And it took me a while to understand how to actually find what my purpose is, and or was at the time, and now it continues to be. And and I drew heavily on the work of Zach Mercurio, who talks about purpose. And and Zach talks of people looking for uh, understanding what's the human problem that we're here to solve, and in solving for that problem, why are you significant in solving that problem? How do you add value, and how are you of value, and therefore why do you matter? And once you understand that, you can recognize what's your purpose. And for me, my purpose was about trying to bring more equity to coaching so that I could help more people to be at their best. So people's well-being would increase. That was the human problem that I was trying to solve. Why I felt I was significant in it is I was able to bring a coaching stance of three ways. I could coach instinctively from the gut, having been a leader for a long time and being understanding what leadership was. I'm really high in empathy, so from the heart, empathy and compassion. I want to sit with people in no judgment, but I also want to write for people to extend that. But for me, the most important piece was from the head, and it was that theoretical lens of being able to bring the field of positive psychology into coaching so that I wouldn't just be badging myself as a coach based on my experience alone, but actually having a theoretical base. And that's why I feel that I'm significant to solve that problem why I matter, why I'm of value and add value. And that's the purpose that's that's brought my
0: power, I guess, if if we if we kind of redefine it that way. Mm, I love that so good and mm-hmm. and you just you radiate that too Karen um i mean we had the pleasure of you attending our international women's day earlier this year and and to be on the panel with you and hear your story on the panel was you know it's phenomenal and and then following um your time over this year and becoming a published author it's been incredible to watch and 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 you do you, you stand in your power and you stand in your impact and and you know what you're here to do and 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 you go and do it so it's um yeah it's it's, it's phenomenal Thank great you work for that. Where can our listeners connect with you and and most importantly, purchase your wonderful book?
2: well, they can connect with me through LinkedIn. Um, It's been quite active lately, so there's lots happening there. Um, And I've also got links to purchasing my book. Um, They could also go to my book website, which is karenstaincoaching.com. you can be purchased online from Amazon Booktopia and all good bookstores also hold hard copies. It's also an e-book
1: available for people who prefer that. Amazing. Wow. That was wonderful. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, Karen, and um, we look forward to hearing more from you and seeing more. on LinkedIn. you. You are on my feet quite a lot at the moment. I just smile every time I see it. So congratulations on the book. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been great chatting
0: with you. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you.
1: And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.